0: Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Good. All right. We have a lot of work to do this morning. Super excited about this. Uh, Matthew chapter 26. As you are turning there, we are, um, you know, part of this was, you kind of, you plan ahead, uh, which kind of goes against my, uh, way of doing things, right? Uh, but then you plan ahead and then you don't realize that things do, like, way out of your control, things change. Um, you know, we had planned to do our divine appointment series this summer and then we were going okay. to take off and, uh do a standalone sermon, and then the other week we were going to be, am I on? Is this working? Are we good? Um, and then the other week we were going to Bergman Park for the Serve James. and as you know, um, if you're super confused about that, I won't get into that, but we decided, just based solely logistically on um, us going over to uh, participate in that today, we decided to meet here, so glad you're in the right spot, and uh, we're so glad you're here. But we are going to take two weeks, this week and next week, and we're going to dive in a, to a, a, a deeper understanding, a deeper level of when we say this counts as church, what does that actually mean? And so I felt like kind of pulling an audible and just saying, hey, let's just take two weeks and we're going we're gonna to dive into that idea of this counts as church. Not this, because obviously this does, you're in a church building, but it's the idea of your life every moment in your home, your church, and your city And how every part of your life, every conversation, every relationship has everything to do with that counting as church. But before I do that, I am really excited. We've been uh, working on this and been talking about this, been praying for this. Um, uh, starting a new series in two weeks, September 9th, um, called, you ready? This is going to take us all the way to Christmas time. The series is called The Storyteller. Yes, the storyteller. You know, like I don't know what I'm clapping for, but uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to be excited for, but here's what it is. Basically, every week, we're going to take one of the parables that Jesus tells uh, for 10 weeks, and we're going to kind of dive into what that means, how that applies. It's going to be amazing. Um, I don't know about you, but I love a good story. Um, I love how Jesus tells stories, too. And I think that there's so many. Sh- stories that uh how many of you were kind of raised in the church or been in the church a long time um you may have heard some of these parables that Jesus tells and you're like wait well, what 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 like, what does that even mean and then he moves on like we want to just take uh, a few weeks to just dive into what the meaning of some of those are past the simple ones like the prodigal son like you get that right and even that has so much layers of complexity but Uh, We're super excited about the Storyteller. Um, I want to also take a moment before we get rolling here. Uh, If you are, I know there are a lot of leaders uh, on our staff or leadership team that are not here this morning or they're serving with kids. But if I say your name, would you just stand up and um, stay standing for a moment? Um, Because we had an incredible, you talk about as a church, a divine appointment. You're looking around like, no, I don't know if it's just me in here or what. Uh, you talk about a divine appointment as a church. Um, this week, we had an incredible opportunity uh, to sit down for many, many days and nights, it seemed like a long time, with a leadership consultant named Tim Belts. And he was able to take um, and help us and draw out of us, the staff and the leadership team, uh, the direction we're going as a church. Maybe specifically like the codes that are in the back or the mission that's uh, on the front foyer the live love serve like to take some of those aspects and kind of hone in on it a little bit and honestly that may sound like okay big deal but like for us this was a huge deal and what I think like we we set out a very clear vision all the way to 2025 2025 I know it seems like light years away but it was awesome to kind of zoom in like what this is what it looks like for this year and this is what it looks like for this year and this is what we believe ultimately what God is doing and so I just want to kind of point out um who was a part of that because it was just so life-giving and incredible um I know Ellen felt was there um if you could stand uh Katie Castro who I know is not here uh this morning um Carol Majak, uh, Sally Andriaccio, uh, Todd Llewellyn, um, Jake Hirschman. Um, let's see, I'm going around the room. Jake Hirschman, Jake Staley, um, John Soa, John Staley, Corey Arrett. I'm already standing. Um, Jessica McKeever and Cameron Linehart, Pastor Cameron. Um... These are some of the leadership. Uh, where's the other half of the leadership, y'all? <laughs> we could give them a hand, yeah. Totally, good job, Ria. Way to go on that. All right, you guys can sit back down. Thank you, guys. Uh, just was an incredible time, even though like a third of you were here. We need to ha- kind of have a conversation about that. Uh, it was so good. It was so life-giving to just step in to say, okay, God, what do you want to do? With this church. And even though, even a better question for us, not do you want to just do with this church? But what do we see Jesus doing in this city? That's the that's the better question that I think was not only fun to answer, but incredibly inspiring and unifying. It was neat to see all this leadership speak and be drawn. Tim helped us draw out, Tim Beltz helped us draw out that vision and passion of what the Lord wants to do through through us as a church family. And so we're super excited about that. We're going to kind of roll some of those details out in the in the coming weeks. But this was, I just want you to know, for me, for this leadership, this was monumental. It was incredible. And um. Uh, there's so many things I want to, like, keep going with that. But I'm going to park it there. But praise the Lord for that. Um, and we're super excited about that. Um, let's pray, and then I want to get into... Uh, where we're at this morning in Matthew 26. Jesus, we are here because of you and the life you've given us. Life and life eternal. Jesus, I know that, that there are people in this room that, that maybe struggle that maybe are discouraged, that maybe are so lost, or maybe have no idea where they're at. That this morning before they leave, that they would receive the most life-giving thing that they could receive, and that is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. That you've died for them, that you've, you've made a way for them, that you've set them apart, you have a plan for them. You made them, and everything that they've been through has brought them to this point, this divine appointment, and that this morning we would, we would ultimately all together would have this deep understanding of what it's like to be filled, and what this counts as church means for us as followers of you. Even as we end in um, communion. As we celebrate and remember what you've done for us on the cross. What your body was given to. What your blood was given to. How you were literally poured out for us. You were broken for us. God, there are people in this room that know exactly what that means. And may that be so fresh to them. And may they be so filled with that idea. But also to maybe those that don't understand that. That today, that just ask Holy Father, I ask that you'd speak through me. I ask that you give me the words to bring hope and life, to lead them to this cross, to lead them to what you've done for them. And I just pray this in your amazing, beautiful name, in the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so anybody here struggle with anxiety? Okay, uh, you don't know anxiety unless you've opened one of these crescent rolls. There's nothing like it, all right? Uh, fellas, any uh, dads in the room that uh, get, to, get the beautiful opportunity to cook for your family um, once every few weeks when your family allows you? Anybody in here? Uh, okay, just me, and uh, so there's mac and cheese, there's eggs, and of course you just got to throw some crescent rolls in them. So you know how this works? Like, You're you're so excited whether it's like you're putting honey on it or butter on it or like you're breaking it open and throwing ham and like making a sandwich out of these crescent rolls is where it's at, right? Now, today we're gonna talk a lot about different forms of food, different forms of how we get filled. Not how we fill our bellies, but how we ultimately fill our lives, and that's the whole premise of today but I want to start with this idea that that sometimes crescent rolls are a true revelation of what it's like to be a follower of Jesus (laughs) I know it's crazy but bear with me and I thought about this because literally every time I'm opening one of these like I don't know what's happening I don't know what's about to happen like I've done this before I've done this before but as I begin to unwrap it have you anybody never done this? I should bring you up here and like have you do this. You're unwrapping it and there's all this air, like, like, like bread and goodness packed in this little can, right? And packed in there until it receives an opportunity for that to literally explode. I mean, you can totally imagine in your mind like just explosions of nuclear proportions. And as you're opening this, you don't know when it's going to happen, but they, you literally just pull the string, and then you somehow, you're supposed to break the... Ah! Was anybody just super anxious like, like me, or is it just like it's easier to watch it? Here's the idea. You don't know when that's going to burst. I, I, maybe I'm exaggerating, but this is like a legitimate thing, Right? Uh, I I struggle sometimes with not knowing what's coming. Being a follower of Jesus, especially, trying to be filled every day with who he is. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. When we are filled with him, there are things that, like, in our beginning of our day, we're spending time with him. We're reading his word, we're praying, we're getting ready to walk out and be an influence and an impact on mission to the world around us, right? And that happens. By 10 a.m. or by lunch or by the time kids get out of school. And by the way, parents, kids are about to go to school again. Amen? Okay, that was just maybe a me thing. Kids are going back to school. Amen? Unless you homeschool. Joke's on you. No. Just kidding. Just kidding. Then you go throughout your day and you're like, wait, I was so filled with you, Jesus, that all of a sudden I'm interrupted. And something completely just drained me out. If there's this beautiful picture of what it means to follow Jesus, it's this very clear picture of I don't know what is about to explode in my life. And, and did that thing explode all over me? Did it ruin me? Did it ruin the whole morning? No. But there is this, this like small, small <sighs> bit of anxiety In our day, that brings us to a deeper trust in the one we're truly following, Jesus. But there's a better picture of this. There's a better picture of what it's like to follow Christ. There's a better picture of what it's like to be filled. Um, John 10, 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This life takes it all from us, right? Doing life, having a family, having a job, having friends, dealing with difficult things, sometimes they're not the, the the thief, but ultimately they're the things that drain our soul and just suck the life right out of us. It's the reality of life, right? It's the reality of the way we live. But Jesus has come to give us life and that we would have it to the full. I have come, Jesus says, I Like physically, he came so that you would have life and have it to the full. This morning, church conduit, Jesus is desiring to fill your basket. He's desiring to fill your basket every day, every moment, church. Are you here today? Do you have an empty basket? Is there literally nothing in here? Is there a moment, like this feeling that you have inside that like, I need to be filled with Jesus again. And I don't mean re-saved. I don't mean uh, you need to pray a prayer to, um, to decide to follow Jesus over and over and over again. He seals you by his Holy Spirit. And by faith you're saved. But once you're a follower of Jesus, once you've been saved, once you've been redeemed, once you've been born again, he's ultimately filled you. But there is this daily practice of reading his word, of spending time with him, that you fill back up. If you look at the life of Jesus, that, like when he's speaking that you have life and to the full, he knows exactly what that is. In Jesus on this earth for 33 years, he understands the reality of being emptied out. Emptied out broken and poured out for others. That is actually the center of everything we're going to talk about today. But he understood that. So what did Jesus do? He left the crowd. He left his disciples from time to time. And he went up to the mountain or he went to a place that was quiet where no one was. And he spent time with the Father. That's how Jesus was filled. Now, you say, that is a big, huge basket. This morning represents... Church. Church. Because, like, look around. You're not the only one in here. And it's great to be able to come to a place where you can get filled, and you can get filled with Jesus, and you can get filled with Jesus, and the newness of what he offers you, and the forgiveness and the gospel being reminded to you that it's not about what you do, it's about what he's done. It's about you, by faith, receiving and believing what he's done in your life. It's about ultimately him Uh, raising you to new life, being forgiven of your sins, being used of Him to impact others on mission. Being in church is this beautiful opportunity for you as a church, as a church, as a body, to be filled. But ultimately, that's a big basket. That's a big basket. I want to take it another level. You today are a smaller basket that ultimately gets fit in a big basket, a church. So this smaller basket represents you. Now obviously I have filled this with uh, bread and um, obviously we're going to take communion towards the end of the service and then we're going to have this opportunity as followers of Christ to come and to remember what he did for us. So being filled with who he is is really what church is all about. Once you gather to church. It's what it's about. But what if you're as I just described as a church, what if you are empty? What if you are empty? You've got nothing. Like you know Jesus. You're following Jesus and ultimately your reality is you are not empty. Like the reality salvation, eternal life has come into you, but you f- this is like this is maybe for you this morning a representation of how you feel based on circumstance, based on emotion, based on just where you're at relationally, maybe with somebody, maybe your spouse or maybe with your children or uh, I get here and I'm I'm wondering this morning if, if maybe you're one of the ones that are here as well. My desire as we leave, as we see what this means for us as a church, that we would be filled and that we'd be filled with Jesus and not the things of this world. That we'd be filled with the things that last, the things that are eternal. Because Jesus came, remember? I just said it. He came to give us life and life to the full. Even though our life tends to take us from a place of being filled to being empty. And everything kind of just tumbles out of it. Now, I... I want to point out that um, I stand up here almost every week and I tell stories about my childhood and I tell stories about my wife and my kids. Um, but my parents are on row number two. And uh, I love my parents. And um, I don't get, I have not, I, like they've passed. Uh, they've, not, uh, they've not had a lot of stories told about them. Not on purpose because uh, there are lots of stories, believe me. Um, but I want to tell a story about my dad. He, um, I know for a fact I've never picked on my dad um, in this way, but you're about to get it, Dad. All right? You ready? <laughs> my dad did, I think, the, one of the funniest things that my, my we still talk about um, as a family, uh, my kids, um, you have this, like, you think, no, nah, I won't go down that road. Your, your kids have funny way of making fun of you or like laughing at your goofy things but imagine like from a grandparent level that like it's a whole nother level your grandkids see what you do and it seems even more goofy but one of the things my dad did that was really actually pretty intuitive like we're very resourceful i'm very much like my dad like sometimes we can like redneck duct tape anything right like we just know what it takes to fix this right Um, we went to this camp growing up in illinois um, it was called Camp Manitoumi. And what would happen is you're in these long, in the dining hall, you're in these long tables, like with your family and several other families. And they would have these uh, wait, waiters and waitresses waiting against the wall. And it, you ate family style. So, like, they brought a big plate of rolls or a big plate of potatoes or whatever it is. And they put it on your thing. And you'd literally pass it on, like, this long table. And you ate, you ate family style. But when something was empty, This is literally what you would do. You would go, you'd hold it up, right? It seems crazy, but these people like leaning against the wall, like these these camp counselors getting paid great money, um, leaning up against the wall, see the basket empty, and they run, and they get your basket, and they know exactly what goes in that particular basket, and they go to the kitchen, and they fill it again, and then they bring it back your table and I'm, and like this is, this is what everybody did. I remember uh, specifically my dad, uh, we were, I've seen this a couple times, we've been at like Olive Garden and the breadsticks are gone. Up goes the basket. I love it. It's so good. He doesn't get, we don't get the same response but very, very resourceful. Very good. I love it. Wouldn't it be that easy or wouldn't it be great to be that easy? Wouldn't like life when you need some love. When you need some encouragement. When you need some support. When you need a listening ear. When you need hope. Man, you just you need peace. Wouldn't it be amazing to just hold it up? Here's the reality. Jesus sees you holding that up. He sees you. He knows you. He knows your need before you speak it. He knows what you're fearing before you speak it. He knows what you're feeling, what you're anxious about. He knows what's coming. And he knows what's about to happen. But yet he also knows when you will run out of that thing. Because literally our life with Jesus is this idea of a vertical relationship. Straight up to God. But he's called you on mission to literally live horizontally to others. We as a church, we exist for others. We are called in this city. Conduit is called to exist for the city, for the betterment of our homes, this church and other churches, and for the city. This is how we're supposed to live. This is how we're, no. This is how we do live. And so, like, it's this idea of, like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. I'm supposed to fill up, but I'm also supposed to do this. How does this work? And this is actually what the beautiful picture of what conduit is. You even look at our logo. It's this idea of God, Jesus, his power, his source, the Holy Spirit, coming down from above to us, through us, to others. And it cycles back. It's this... Conduit is literally that idea. Conduit, ask any electrician, it's that little plastic pole that you stick the, uh, um, the wires through so that power can get from there to there. We are conduits of Jesus. We are conduits of his power. We are conduits of love. We are conduits of grace, so on and so forth. So when we are empty, we raise it up. When we are empty, we raise it. But here's the thing you don't raise it necessarily to others. You raise it to the Lord. You don't raise up your need necessarily to Facebook. You don't raise your need to your flesh and how you can fill it on your own. You raise your need to Jesus because He's ready, willing, and able to fill you. And church, He is ready willing, and able to fill you all together, collectively, unified, together, whether this is your first time here, or whether you've been here since the beginning, you're a part of this basket, that we get to be filled, one another, together, and yes, there are actual ways that we can fill one another with encouragement, peace, hope, prayer, all these things, yes, I'm taking away from that. But first we have to establish the foundation of what God is to you. That vertical before we go horizontal. All right, Matthew chapter 26. Jesus, this is, this is actually <laughs> Jesus' um, first church plant meeting. Um, and uh, Jesus in the upper room uh, during the Passover with his disciples is the night before he was crucified. Um, it's, there's obviously a serious tone, but just think about it from the perspective of he was just getting ready to hand the keys of the kingdom to begin church plants all over the world, the beginning of the church. The the church in Acts began in this moment with their, their leader, with their Savior, with Jesus. In verse 20, let's pick it up. Uh, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 20. There are two parts to this. It says in verse 20, When it was evening, he, meaning Jesus, reclined at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? And he answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. That's some strong words from Jesus. Judas, who would betray him, answered, is it I, Rabbi? And Jesus essentially responded with, Yep. Yep. So here they are. The setting is the upper room. Um, there's a lot of implications of what this was, what was about to take place. Jesus, it was the night before the cross, and um, they were gathering, they were Jews, they were gathering... To celebrate the Passover. Now, the Passover won't take a lot of time to explain that, but essentially in the Old Testament, the Passover was that as death passed over all all of the homes, they were to oh man. There's so much, there's not that much time to explain this, but it, essentially they took blood and they put it on their doorpost, up above and around their doorpost, so that it showed their faith in the one, the, the God, the true God would pass over and death would pass over their home and they would have life. So that blood, that life that was given by the lamb by an actual lamb the blood of that lamb was put on above uh, a door so that it would signify their faith that they actually believed in this one true God and that when death passed over their house it literally passed right over. It was their free ticket to live. And so the Jews Still celebrate the Passover. They still celebrate, that's what that means. It literally is to pass over. And here they are as the 12 disciples in Jesus, all 13 of them in an the upper room the night before Jesus was, was about to be crucified, and they lay there, or they sat there reclining at a table ready to eat. Before they got to the bread and the wine, before they got to the significance of what this meant for not only them, in that counting as church. But they had to get to the spot of like how was Jesus going to be arrested. So he talked about how someone was going to betray him. Jesus' betrayal through Judas. was— one, Judas was one of his disciples. He was one of the 12. He had been with him the whole time. Uh, we were talking this week as leadership. Kind of joking around like if we talk about. How the 12 disciples were kind of like the B team and they were the JV. Like, but that's the ones that Jesus chose and so we should be encouraged because we're kind of the B team. We're the junior varsity. We're not the it all be all. Like, but God somehow uses us in spite of our, our weirdness, right? Um, Judas was probably the only of the 12 that was um, <laughs> probably qualified and organized enough to make it all work. But he was the one Who betrayed Jesus. Judas had this way. In the beginning. And through the middle and in the end. Of sucking the life. Draining the life. Out of the whole operation. With what he was about to do. So in the midst. In the midst of redemption. And in the midst of. What Jesus is about to do. In the midst of grand forgiveness, sometimes there are there's just yucky stuff in our life. There's there's this literal reality of literal reality that as Jesus fills us and he gives us life, that that as we receive that from him, that we literally we just live horizontally in relationship with people and it just empties. So, being empty today is not necessarily your fault. In fact, sometimes being empty is because you were filled and now your life has been poured out for the betterment of others. So, when we say that this counts as church in your home, when we say this counts as church in your workplace, when we say this counts as church, with a snow cone truck in the middle of Jamestown. Teaching a class. Mom having a conversation, not my mom, but moms having a conversation with your child about how to respect their brother or their sister. All those times counts as church because you are pouring yourself out for the betterment of others through the way you speak, through the way you act, through the way you serve. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You, that's, the, that's the whole idea of living. Jesus goes on to say, verse 26, Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he says, Take, eat, this is my body. This represents my body. And he took the cup, And we had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out. Which is poured out for the many, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you that I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This counts as church is defined like this. This counts as church is defined like this. A life poured out in the name of Jesus. A life poured out in the name of Jesus. What are you doing at home? What are you doing at work? What are you doing as you play and have fun, as you recreate, as you do everything that you do, as you shop? As you think, as you watch, as you are entertained, every part of that, every part of that can count as church. It counts as church because it's a life poured out in the name of Jesus. So the question to you today isn't just are you empty. My question ultimately is are you filled. And then the better question, the ultimate question is how are you broken and poured out for the betterment of others. Some of us don't have all of those components. We understand the feeling. Like, okay, I gotta read the word. I gotta worship. I gotta pray. I gotta grow in my faith. I gotta receive from the Lord. We get that. But sometimes we don't get this other part. We don't get the idea of being broken and poured out for the betterment of those around us. And that, therefore, can't count as church. It counts as church when your life is poured out. In the name of Jesus. But then here's the other point, And this is really my last point. Is that after you've been poured out, after it's been a life poured out in the name of Jesus, how do you fill back up? How do you fill back up? I know for me that uh, when you're in a... Uh, come on. I know, it's getting to lunchtime. This is dangerous. I know. Crescent rolls that weren't cooked was this. Like, I was already getting the ball rolling in a bad way. But I know sometimes when you, um, and I can't eat these right now, but um, when you're in a um, service industry, like you serve people, you're around a lot of people, you help people, um, anybody in a service industry? Raise your hand. Like, whether it's a bank or teaching or... Uh, servicing something in their home or contractor or ministry, when you're dealing with people on a regular basis or a mom, you're like at the top echelon of like service industry. Like literally you're the CEO of service industry um, if you're a mom or a dad. Um, there's this idea or this, this uh, natural reality as we take our life that's lived for Jesus And we're filled with who he is. We're filled with everything that he has for us. And we're super excited about it. And like there's times that we turn to the side horizontally to serve other people. We're filled, but then we're given. We're broken and we're poured out for others. There's times where it's easy to get filled with like encouragement. And a nice word. And a raise, right? and a pat on the back, right? And just that feeling of like, I'm helping people. And like people see it. And they're, they're like, they, they totally recognize that my, my relationship's horizontal as a mom, as a pastor, as a coach, as a whatever you do. Like people are recognizing it and, and it feels good and your heart is so good in it. But here's the reality is if you eat bread, You're filled, right? As we were at this party yesterday and my uh, daughter comes back to the table with her third plate of chips. And it's just reality that like, I know that yes, for a moment she will be filled. But like halfway home, she's going to be hungry again. It doesn't last. It may appear to be filled, but there's all these little things. But here's the other thing. There's these other parts to our life that are not so life-giving. Like, yeah, it's great to get a pat on the back and people to recognize your hard work. But what about the people that like, hey, you're not enough for me. You're not doing a good job. You should have done this differently, out of money, out of job, out of hope. These are all just chips. They're the chips of life, right? They're they're literally this fading, fleeting thing that doesn't fill. That may taste good. That may feel good. That may be hard or great or difficult or simple. Like they're parts of our life, but they don't fill. But here's where, where I get stuck. Here's where I get stuck. When Jesus is with his disciples, and they're so concerned, think about this, they were so concerned with who is the one person in the room, the the drama in the room distracted them from the fact that Jesus was getting ready to die for the whole world. They're at a meeting that's ultimately going to change the world. And they're consumed with Who messed up? They're consumed with all the chips that 24 hours from now, Judas is going to excuse himself. They're caught in the drama and the chips. And honestly, they're caught in the things of this life. And honestly, here's what I want to say loud and clear to you and I today that when we are filled with the things of this world, it will not last, it will not fill. May this morning you take a step to literally live vertically, be filled with Jesus, to be filled with the bread of life and not the chips of this world. And sometimes, even maybe for you this morning, you just need to let the chips fall. The janitors in the room just had a heart attack. I'll take care of it. All right? But sometimes we literally need to let the chips just fall and let them be what they are. Because you know what those things are not eternal. But what is eternal? Is Jesus. His word. And what he wants to do in you and through you, his desire. He knows. You got to shake All that crap of life, even good things. You got to like not be filled with that because it ultimately won't fill you. It'll just leave you in a mess. But when you fill with Jesus and you live vertically, guess what happens too? You empty out. You're broken and poured out. And you need filled again with something that will last. And it will begin to use you and you're broken and you're poured out. And Jesus got this. He got this very clear understanding of what it looks like for life to be poured out in the name of Jesus. You know what we do? In the name of Jesus, we are poured out, but yet we still don't think that that counts as church. I'm here today to tell you that all of those things in your life that you're living a life poured out in the name of Jesus, that that counts as church. And some of y'all that have been in church long enough, you're like, wait a minute. Doesn't the word say, where two or three are gathered in his name? There am I in the midst. Isn't that the f- weirdest verse ever that the- we somehow use that as this counts as church because there's two or three people praying? That is not what that verse means. Where there's two or three gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Well, how about the r- of the Bible? How about the rest of this story? How about when Jesus says, look, this is my body broken for you take, eat it, consume it. Be filled with me. Here's my blood. Like This is my life being poured out. Drink it. Be filled with me. It's this idea, y'all get this, that you don't need two or three. You don't need two or three. If you're there, as a follower of Jesus, if you're there, Jesus is there. And that counts as church. You could be a single mom with one child. That's two, I get it. But you're in your home. You are Jesus to that child. You are Jesus to that husband, that wife, that friend, that neighbor, those kids in that classroom, the kids in your homeschool room, the kid, the, the, the man that you should up to fix his air conditioner or soon heater. You show up. If you show up, you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus is there. He's embodied you. He's filled you. But don't forget to fill back up because if you're like me, you know there are times you're just so empty and you just need. You need him to fill you. You need him to fill you. Jesus calls it right out. He's like, guys, I know you're going to be serving with nothing. No power, no, no authority. Y'all just a bunch of B team JV dudes and you just lost your finance guy. No one no one got that joke. That was Judas. He's the finance guy. Okay, thank you. So there's 11 of them that were put in charge to change the world, but the Holy Spirit is about to be sent. The spirit of Christ is about to flip the whole thing upside down and about to change the world and change everything starting in Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the world and then Jamestown ladies and gentlemen and he's not done he's not done but here's the idea he's not trying to get just in Jamestown he more wants he, like, he desires deeper first to get into your heart to get into your life he wants to fill you first let the chips fall let the chips fall and ultimately, I, I'm inviting you to be, I'm inviting you to be a conduit of Jesus, a conduit of love. But you have to get filled. You have to be following Jesus. You have to by faith trust him as your savior. You have to by faith be filled with his, his goodness and his grace and his mercy that he's given to you freely so that you can then pour it out to others. That's what a conduit is ultimately is about that it came to you would you give it to them but maybe you're here today and I want to just invite you um maybe for you um you need to just hear me loud and clear and then I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and we're going to do communion and we're going to close but maybe I'll just say it uh you know my heart and you know I love you and you know I'm glad you're here but I need to just say this loud and clear because I've learned this the hard way recently um If you're trying to fill your basket with something other than Jesus, it's ultimately not going to fill you. Fill your life with Jesus. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the life. That is life. He didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. He came to give you life, and life to the full. So, I'm going to ask the team to come up, and I know that when we get, we start stirring around, we start moving, a lot of times we get distracted, I want to just focus just for a moment. As you come up, or as the worship team comes up, um, I'm going to have uh, Pastor Cameron join me up front here. He's going to help me serve communion to you. And basically it just goes like this. If, you, if, you've, if you've not been here before um, and you're a follower of Jesus, basically um, you form two lines here. One, goes to him, one line goes to him, one line goes to me. Um, and his body that was broken for you and his blood that was shed for you. Maybe this morning as you come forward, maybe communion for you is you recognize that you need filled again with all that Jesus is with all that Jesus is. And maybe this morning you you need to receive Christ for the very first time and be saved and be born again. Today, new life can start, and we'd love to talk to you about that, just pull one of us aside after we'd love to walk you through that. It's the most incredible, most amazing relationship. Um, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and so let me just ask you to stand. God, I just right now um, um, that not just figuratively you'd fill them, not just for a great illustration or a concept that you would fill them, but I physically emotionally you would bring hope and redemption to them fill them that they would be reminded with your goodness that you're waiting and ready to send them and you want to meet them in a room like this and you want to say these words right to them take my body, this bread, and eat, and be filled with everything that I am. And Jesus, you want to say, take this cup, my life, my blood, my everything that I am, and may it flow to you. Jesus, that is your desire for this church this morning. Do a work. Do what you only can do. In the name of Jesus, would you come forward?